What song was that? That's from Wolf of Wall Street. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, all right. Now or, I get it. I right. totally get it now. You got it? <laughs> I got it. But I was worried that someone else may have done someone that Someone has already done that one, but that doesn't stop. That's okay. Of course. No, man. <laughs> Someone's already <laughs> done that. That's totally fine. That was Zach. So that was Zach from Picture Perfect Painters. Welcome, Zach. Thank you. Good to, to be the here. Podcast. Yeah, good seeing you again, man. Um, yeah, it's been a while. You know, we're excited about this. So, so no pressure or anything like that, but this is our first podcast that we're going to be talking about paint. Yes. We kind of spoke a little bit about paint when we did our millennial talk, but we didn't really dive right into it. So a little house cleaning. We are at Skylux. With Mark A. Mark in the office. <laughs> They're at the tail end of their day, so you might hear some in and outs and backup fans and all kinds of stuff. Well, we're live, man. We're live, right? So in Mark, a real shop. Thank you very much for letting us uh, record the podcast here. We enjoy being here and uh, disrupting your life. <laughs> That's basically it. Uh, so right off the start, I'm going to talk about... What are well, we gonna- we're going to be doing with... History with Manny. There we go. 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 I've got a good one. Zach, see if you could help me out with this, man. How far back does paint go? When was, uh, there's kind of some milestones here, but how far back would be the very first evidence of paint? I feel like thousands of years ago. 40,000 years ago. It was in a cave, prehistoric paint. They used it from earth and soot and organic materials. If you fast forward from there, 2,000 years ago, the Egyptians. I thought for sure the Croatians invented it. (laughs) (laughs) The Egyptians ended up using six colors. They were mixing oil and fat with lead and earth and animal blood and ground uh, grass. Glass, yeah. Uh, Stones. They were using that to create different colors. And then, I guess when you get into the more professional, you're talking about the 1200s. 1440s, they started doing that. But now I got another question for you guys. What's the company that actually started painting? Oh, Sherwin Williams for sure. (laughs) How did did you know that, man? (laughs) Yeah, Sherwin Williams. Get out of here. I'm telling you, can you tell me the year? 1972. No, man. 1866. Holy cow. Aren't they a Montreal-based company? No, this was in Cleveland, Ohio. Right, I think Benjamin Moore started in Montreal. This is after. So, yeah, we won't talk. Uh, Benji Benji has nothing to do with this. This is all Sherman Williams. They actually started it. Marshall Smith invented a machine for grinding up colors in 19, or sorry, 1718. That's when he started it, and that sparked the revolution to actually start wow. mixing colors. And then Sherman Williams took it from that, and they started creating their whole palette in 1866. And that, was, that created the whole Sherman Williams company, Cleveland, Ohio. When was the exact date? 1866. I don't have wow. the exact 1866. That That's fantastic because I love Sherwin Williams. And what's, so. a, what's really, they really skyrocketed after World War II. So after World what War II. What was the catalyst there? I, I guess that, well, the whole um, Wait industrial industrial revolution, right? Everything had to be produced. and we had the, Yeah, the everything, people. right? So yeah. that's where it starts. So going. I guess their biggest color would be green. <laughs> I'm assuming it would be green exactly. Green and gray. So that was a little bit of. History with Manny. There we go. I thought that was a little interesting <laughs> fact there. We'll that leave was that wicked, actually. I really so, enjoyed that so one. So now, now, back over to Zach. So Zach, www.pictureperfectpainting.ca. Yeah, that's right. Instagram handle is at pictureperfectpainters. Painters, yes. And then the email is info at pictureperfectpainters. Yeah. 
yeah. with all the Nets. With okay. The Nets and then, yeah, so I think I got it all right. There we go. We are going to talk about, take a guess, everybody. Zach. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to talk about painting, man. That's well, what we're going to talk about. But not only that, Zach is under pressure right now. I guess he's the first paint company. There's no pressure, in. man. <laughs> Mind you, this is, this is our seven, 72nd podcast. So Carlito and I are a little... You guys are veterans. Man. Well, we're not virgins, that's for sure. <laughs> no, we're not virgins. <laughs> so, Zach, tell us a lot about you, man. Tell us where you guys... You're a young guy. You got to be half, like half our age, man. How old are you? I don't know, about half, maybe. Uh, how old? <laughs> 28. Close. Yeah, close. <laughs> Getting there. Getting there. We're yeah. 48, Let's man. not so, say half, Manny. <laughs> <laughs> we're close. So, how long you been in the business, man? 10 years. Went right into painting? So-so. I mean, I, I went to university first at York. In the Studying what there at York? I was doing biochem first. Okay. And, and then I switched into health studies. From there, what was the construction bug come? Just like building things, making things, you know, being creative with paint and things in general like that. I think my dad had a lot to do with it. He's always fiddling and breaking things just to fix them later. And then having to paint everything. <laughs> yeah. No, no. But the thing is, that's, that's how I got in because there's two avenues that I think help form this company. One is a company that you probably have all heard of. It's called uh, Student Work Paintings or College oh, yeah. Pro. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. Those, Are they still around? You know what? I've seen a Student Works lawn sign. I, I don't have any idea how they're still in business. I but. don't think, because that's, that's when we were 28 that they were probably yeah, big. Yeah, they're, they're still kicking. <laughs> okay. I was yeah, just curious. Um, I mean, I love what they're doing. They're getting students jobs and they're keeping them busy and they're, get, you know, giving them experience in business. But it scares me. Let, let me <laughs> let me drop the hammer here and just let anybody that's listening, specifically homeowners, painting is a justifiable trait. Do of not course. think that you as a homeowner can watch a video of some idiot doing a W on a wall and telling you how to paint is painting. That's not painting. Painting is a skilled trade. For and sure. that's my opinion about it. So don't, and I've had these conversations. I'm sure you've had them with, with clients. We're going to have it tonight. They think that painting, anybody can do it. And painting, uh, you guys will probably correct me if I'm wrong. Painting's all about prep, man. It is 95% of it. It's That's all about the preparation. I mean, so, I think just in general with life, right? It's all about prep. But it's really funny that I think in the last 20, 30 years when we get, were in the business and you had designers talk about painting, they never talked about prep. They yeah. talked about colors. They talked about what roller to use. They talked about that stupid W. They talked about things that had nothing to do with the 95%. They talked about the 5%. So I got true. a bone to pick. That's all no, I'm saying. No, you're right. Well, painting is very sexy and it really is the most important part because it's one of the last things that you, is going to happen on the job site to finish the job. It's like the cherry on the top. Right. And yeah. another thing is it's going to either cover up and clean up bad workmanship or make someone's great workmanship even better. We love working with trades who know what they're doing before us. So like a carpenter who miters their uh, 45s, like exactly right. So then that means we don't have to put a pound of caulking in there. <laughs> Are you still seeing gapped miters? Yeah. Really? Not as much as we used to when we started out, but it depends on, I guess, the, the extent to which they, they pay attention to detail. I guess you roll in on the job site and they're not around. So you just see the open miters and you're wondering who's the face that's attached right, to yeah, this open who, miter, but they're not there. picking up the bill after, right? Yeah. And then yeah, you you're gotta, so right. Because uh, it's more work for us and it's very difficult to justify that to a contractor or a client where we come in and we have to do, you know, three or four rounds of, 
of patching with wood filler, with Bondo, or any other kind of uh, compound. I mean, and it takes time. Here's, here's an analogy. I mean, if you were a penile enlargement surgeon and you didn't make that miter tight, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and expected That's a like nurse. Far stretch. <laughs> <laughs> I think your client's going to be a little upset. You know what I mean? They would be expecting it to be tight. So I don't understand why these guys, I, I don't understand why this is still the conversation. These miters should be tight. Yeah, I don't know why they're not sure. tight. So, and, yeah. you know, leading. I mean, it goes to drywall too. Sorry. I true, to true. It does. It does. It, it's, it's not just everyone. And then the same thing for painters. If you, if you get a million dollar Cadillac job of a trim and then you come in and you have painters just throw the paint on the walls, it's going to ruin everything before that. <laughs> it's true. It's totally true. And you know, we, we met on a job like that. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, well, we'll talk a little bit about yeah. that. Yeah. So how do you guys know each so other? So me and, me and uh, Mike were going our own ways at the end of the business. We were finishing up a couple of the jobs. We were a little bit overwhelmed and we need to bring more guys on, uh, but we didn't want to just bring in any guys. So Zach was brought in a guy that we could trust that we're not just bringing in a, a, a Joe just to come in and knock it off. And I just, I was expecting just a painter to come in as I watched him set up, deal with his guys and start to finesse the customer. I was really impressed. Like you don't get to see this kind of behavior. Like he really, he understood that he couldn't rub the customer the wrong way. He had, he was helping us get in and out of the project, but he was taking it to a whole other level. What's up, Mark? How's What's up, Mark? <laughs> no handshaking, no hugging, no nothing. Just elbow bumping. That's all it is, man. <laughs> oh, we saw that. We saw that. Thanks, man. We appreciate it. What's going on? brother. Take care, Mark. Sorry, we just got interrupted there by the Patron. That's all it was. Yeah, the king. <laughs> so I want to get back, Zach, to um, uh, how did you get started? Like, where, where, I, I always, I'm always curious. I'm always curious on what trade people choose to get into. Sometimes it's handed down by generations. Sometimes it's uh, in school, they kind of gravitated towards it. Sometimes something was just thrown in your arm and you took with it and worked it. I'm just trying to figure out what your, your angle is. Starting off, it was with uh, Student Works and like to cut the story not too short and not, not too long. I was sitting in a classroom and um, I was waiting for my prof to come up and start lecturing me to death. And <laughs> there was a piece of paper there. It's like, hey, do you want to make $20,000 in the summer? And at that time, it was like a million dollars to make that much, right? Yeah. So we started, uh, you know, I called them up. It was the, the company and we started off with them. To say the least, they sold a rosy picture and didn't deliver on what they promised. But nevertheless, you came out of it with a lot of new skills and knowledge that uh, otherwise I would have never had. So I'm still grateful and thankful for that opportunity that we had. The ball just kept on rolling from there. Was it a crash course of just... Yeah, it was like five days. Here's how to sell and uh, go fend for yourself. Wow. That's yeah. all. It wasn't... I didn't know anything about painting. So they, Okay, but this is a painting business. Yeah, but I didn't know anything. Like that, their shtick is that you sell the job and then you hire painters who've already painted before. I was supposed to be trained as a franchise owner, as a manager, uh, as, a, as a leader of the company. Uh, it didn't work out that way, but I think it was for the best because I got on the tools. I, I learned how to do a lot of the trade myself before hiring more people. And that way, I think that, that leadership by example has transpired into the company that we have today. And this guy's like a great leader. I mean, he's on top of his guys. They're never on the cell phone. They're all working. They're all clean. They all know their products. 
But you know what was really impressive about you is we were in a, a fairly new cookie cutter home. Many imperfections, like the, the joists were up and down, the studs were all over the place, the drywall wasn't finished properly. And the customer, when we quoted on the job, we quoted for two coats of primer, two coats of paint, trim, done. And it led into a high-end custom job. We were so deep in water with this customer, and he was a, a really great guy. Still is. I still speak to him already. Yeah, same. Yeah, I'm like he's a touch. fantastic guy. What we had realized is that because we didn't put enough detail in the contract, we had now dug a hole for ourselves, and we were stuck there to either honor our name or walk away from the job. Zach coming in was a new face and a great taste for the homeowner. He got to separate the job and the painting. Uh, we were having a little bit of problems. There was some flashing happening just from, you know, old compounds and too much paint on the wall and so on. And Zach kind of really just took it over from us. Like I could literally just, it was refreshing to just focus on what I had to do. And he just took over with his guys. I try to have that with uh, the, the crews as well, where if I'm the leader of the company, I need to be able to focus on, let's say, client interactions and satisfaction, right? If it, there are companies, and I was like this before as well, where I had my hand in every single pot and it was just difficult to keep up. And the company itself wasn't as high end as we are trying to be today where everybody has a specific role and, and we're like, like a chessboard where everybody has a tactic to the, the strategy that we have. You got one of the toughest jobs because you're at the finish. So when you guys do yeah. your job, it's uncovering all the protective material and then the furnishings come in mm -hmm. and the clients expect the world, even yeah. though the world hasn't been made up until that point. So if you do have bad trades or bad trim drywall everybody else they're expecting you to make it perfect at that yeah. point right so there's a there's a lot of customer satisfaction servicing you know just like pampering the client at that moment when you guys are painting from the beginning to the very end yeah no and we're always like face to face you know sometimes with other trades uh i don't want to speak for them but i just there may be a little bit more arm's length away from the client but we're always there at the end like you said and it's always the 11th hour with yeah. them they're always <laughs> looking to finish because they love seeing the painters come in and, and finish the job and finally move in and it's actually today this is what we're doing for a lot of the people around the city who unfortunately because of the world circumstances that we're in it's been difficult to push jobs along but the ones who've been living without a bathroom for months at a time they want the painters to be there and we're trying to help them out as much as we can. But going back to the point is, yeah, we're the last ones in. We're always the most hands-on with client interaction. We have to be fastidious with our work. We have to have a lot of attention to detail and we have to be uh, well-rounded people as not just painters, but the character of our guys has to be sure. um, top-notch. Why don't you walk us through the ideal painting scenario? So you show up on a job site and you did have the superstar trim, superstar drywall, superstar everybody. Mm -hmm. You come in, tell us about your process, how big is the crew, everything like that. It depends. Let's say if you have everything done already, we'll come in and we'll mask the floors off. We'll use low-tack tape for the, for the hardwood so it doesn't peel off any of the finish. And then we'll prime everything. I mean, I can get into the specifics. Yeah, I want to get right down into all the yeah, nitty-gritty. Yeah, let's get dirty. I, I Product wanna, names. I want to find out about the actual tape products that you're using because I know that everybody's yeah. different, man. Everybody has their... That's why we have yellow tools and red tools and blue tools, mm -hmm. right? Everybody has their preference. So I want to get into what, what's made you happy What in turn. 
what's made your clients happy because you've figured out how to do things to make them happy and you use specific products for that happiness. So yeah, let's well, get right into it. I think that tools are important, especially for quality job. Like they're, they're the, an extension, you as a workman. Tape wise, we like to use the uh, yellow frog tape, the uh, low tack frog yep. tape for the floors. Again, you have to be careful with it. If you leave it on for too long, it's still going to have a small chance of of damaging the surface but we've had times when we had to leave it for a month and nothing happened tiny little variations of where like you could put tape or you can't put tape but you learn that as you go on so for yeah. instance like with thresholds you don't want to be putting that there because you're stepping a lot i thought yellow tape was made for glass doing low tack i i thought it was for just if you're sensitive no. if, it, you if it's a sensitive area anywhere. yeah i was more told that the yellow tape is good for glass around like you know painting a french door or yeah uh, you can use yeah. it for that like it doesn't any frog tape product it doesn't bleed at least not as much as let's say just regular uh, green painter's tape that green painter's tape is good for its own reasons if you have new baseboards and you want to save a little money it does the job just as well with uh, taping the baseboards. So speaking of the process, that's kind of uh, jumping a few steps ahead, but we would tape all of our trim. It's just, it's impossible to get the laser straight cut lines by hand. You can, uh, if it's People white. still do by hand, because I've never been a fan of by hand. I know that I see a lot of guys cutting the ceilings by hand, and I'm like, man, just tape it. What's wrong with you? Well, like, ceilings, ceilings you could do it by hand. Yeah? yeah? We, we tape around trim and doors. So baseboards, frames, windows, uh, accent walls, for sure. With, yeah, no, my first job, I remember I taped a uh, stucco ceiling, of all things. What? So for people who do painting, wow. they're, they're going to have a nice laugh at this. That's crazy, That was man. my very first job. Was that, that was a stucco ceiling without a flat border? That was just strictly yeah, like, stuck right stucco to the corner. Ceiling, yeah, it was. It's the easiest. Was thing it to painted cut. or not painted? I can't remember now. I feel like it was. It must have been. It, it, yeah, the stick, no, right? like, I, I still walked out of there. With that's that's <laughs> cool. Yeah. I like that. Looking back on it now, stucco ceilings. You can cut that with your non-dominant hand with one eye closed. I got it's, a problem. There's there's a wheelbarrow of stuff that I want to throw in there, and stucco ceilings is in there, man. Like glass block is in there. Stucco ceilings is in there. These I things feel the same way. They don't belong on, on anybody's job site right it's now. It's a cover-up. Yeah. Exactly. It, it's So then you could do one coat of drywall, mud, and then you stucco everything and you get away with it, the new yeah. joints. So that's why I don't like it, right? So you're masking everything. You're, you're masking the floor. You're protecting yeah. everything. You're getting it all ready. And now we're going where? The most important thing on a, on a high-end paint job is lighting. It's crucial to have good amount of lighting so either from the builder himself who installs the pot lights or from us with our floodlights yeah. uh, we have some festival floodlights we have love some those lights. nice I know, I love the consistency so of that light is yeah. my i've been so impressed with that light out of all the job site lights i can't stand anybody else's but festool's light is pretty amazing man it helps our job come yeah. out the way like the way that it does we also use you know home depot lights if they're on site or we have a lot that before we learned of festival we stockpiled like 10 of them you're talking about the halogen ones that you could fry an egg on yeah, yeah. well those and then like the husky ones so. <laughs> the husky those things <laughs> Depends, are hot maybe man. yeah but they're nice when you don't have heat yeah <laughs> they're not or nice you want to dry something if your elbow <laughs> touches you it have a healthy meal halfway through the day <laughs> I, I don't i don't want to get too far ahead right now because i think it's really important that we back up on the tape a little bit uh two things one for manny I think the tape can't be used and you have to hand cut a baseboard or a door when 
the budget's not there. When someone doesn't really care, like someone renting a basement out to somebody or, you know, someone has a building, you're not going to waste money on cutting. And there's tricks for like the ceiling. I always take a scraper knife, mm -hmm. like made for painting and I'll just score yeah, you'll the top. Score. You'll create a groove. And my brush will follow that line. And it's, and it's straightforward. Once you've been painting, you're, you're good. I feel uh, like ceilings, you have to know how to cut. I mean, you need to know how to but, cut But it's general. also based off the plaster. So if they didn't make a really tight corner. That is exactly a scenario where tape would be perfect for. Yeah. And I was leading to that. So that, that's my concern. On my, on the last project that I worked on with Zach, one of the problems we had was that the homeowner was under a misunderstanding that he was going to get perfect laser lines. <laughs> which is almost impossible and no one ever and no where, one ever really where, produces where did he get that understanding you, you, you get what you get from the material that's in front of you you're only as good as the last trade before you and we were having a little bit of problems and, and zach took it to another level so zach said to me he said outside he said listen don't worry i'm going to take care of this it's going to cost a little bit extra are you guys willing to take the bite on it let's just get it in and out of here let's make him happy i'm going to give him his laser cuts and I was like, what are you going to do? So what he did was he went up on the ceiling and he cocked the ceiling to yeah, the walls. So there was waves. But when he finished caulking, he took paint the next day after everything had set and dried and made crisp new lines. So then he painted to the tape and peeled them. It gave the illusion of a straight line, even though the ceiling joists and the, the rafters mean, were all over the place. How bad were these waves? Would Johnny Utah be really excited about seeing these? This was an honestly, like, this was a very eccentric customer, but he had gone through so much in this build with us. It was a very long process. Uh, we had a, a few trades that didn't work out for us and we had to make up and remove and replace it. We learned a valuable lesson about not trusting any trades, especially on Instagram. There's many guys out there that if you're trying a guy for the first time, make sure it's not on a high-end job. Just for the listeners there, Johnny Utah's from the movie Point Break, which is about <laughs> surfers that are bank robbers, okay? That's why I said waves. That's the connection there. I'm actually surprised that Zach got that, man, because you're, you're too it's young a, to know that. It's a good that. movie, though. Oh, yeah. But I'm, I'm a fantastic fan of movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was Keanu Reeves there, right? So, yeah. so okay, the waves, were, and that worked, huh? That's actually a nice it, little it, trick. It, I like that. Yeah, it did. It's, it's a trick of the trade. You learn that as you go. I mean, when I started this when I was 18, I definitely wouldn't have known about that but that's what you pay for you like when when you hire a high-end professional company you pay for the experience you're that paying comes for the it. experience exactly yeah. that's so true man and that was the biggest reason i have so much respect for you thank you um, you took so much pressure off of my relationship with the customer i ended up keeping that friendship with that customer keeping our word and yeah. you bail your bond you, right yeah you you bailed us out of a very tight situation it was a when a customer just wants the contractor out just so he can have his life back and you get someone like zach come in and he gives the customer exactly what that customer wanted not what he paid for it wasn't the agreement but that's why contracts are so important you need to state your details before you start that project i 100 percent agree with you on that like the contract we've gone into some thick mud with ambiguous contracts in the past even now like we you know this year we had a few jobs where a couple little clauses here and there about coatings paints like when you're doing two tones anything it has to be in the contract and take it from my personal experience that if it's not it's impossible to explain that to a client 
with why does it take longer to do an accent wall in two colors or spray, especially uh, wainscoting in two colors? Well, because you can't do everything at the same time. You have to take out one paint and then take out another paint. You have to mask everything. It takes, let's say, an extra day. And an extra day could be the difference between you making decent money on a job or maybe losing in the long run. Or so, double the material money. One of the earlier things I learned was clients, certain clients actually getting painters to sign off on using specific paints right down to primer. Yeah. Excellent. Are, are, are you, I don't agree with it completely. I'm sorry. Are you, have you gotten to that point where you've got clients where they are adamant that you have to use a specific brand, a specific primer, a specific first coat, specific second coat, all that other stuff? We haven't gone to that particularly, but see, we're professionals. So we have to know our trade. We have to know our, our tools and our materials and the workmanship that we do. So whenever a client says, I want this paint, will do it if that's their wish and nothing else. If that's not the right paint, the right uh, product to use for the substrate, we'll tell them up front. I had a client who wanted to paint all their trim in Aura. Aura is not the greatest trim paint because it's soft, it's, it's brittle, it, it'll, it'll chip it and it'll crack and it doesn't level well when we're spraying with it. So we, we uh, suggested to use ScuffX or Advance. Of the two, I prefer ScuffX more. Uh, just because it, it's uh, easier to spray and it levels out. See, that's, a, that's what I like to hear because uh, the reason I bring this up is because I know of other painters that had to sign this stuff. And then I also know of another painter that actually signed it and got caught for using not using the all product. the products that they were asking for. And my problem is that, okay, I'm going to just say I'm a huge fan of Sherwin-Williams. Mm. I like their products. Me too. I'm just going to say, I'm also <laughs> a fan of Dulux, but I'm a, a huge fan of Sherwin's. I think that Aura is a good paint, but I think in the price point, if you start comparing apples and apples with all the brands out there, mm. everybody's got a really good high-end paint, but I think that Sherwin kind of creeps ahead of everybody a tiny bit, but it goes back to your experience as a painter and what you've experienced on site working with specific bases and trim and all this other stuff and what you achieved and how you pulled off the finished look. That's what's going to make your brand solid. Everybody comes up with Benjamin Moore and CC40, and they go, this is the number CC30, that I CC30, CC40. All this other stuff. Oh, CC65. <laughs> yeah, right? And I get it. And I know for a fact that, you know, Sherwin-Williams tint matches mostly Benjamin Moore colors. It's true. They do. That's a fact. See, in our experience, Manny, we ran into some troubles with tinting and, and color matching paint from other suppliers. Now we have our preferred products with every single supplier. With Sherwin, we have Emerald and we have Pro Classic. Yeah, beautiful, man. It's, it's an awesome paint. With Benjamin Moore, a lot of the designers, they request designer paint from Benjamin Moore. And we're not leaving it up to chance anymore. We're using the, the home product. So if it's CC40 or OC65, we'll go ahead and use the product that we're comfortable I'll with. I'll give you an example. Listen, I, I, I agree about the colors. Like Benjamin Moore has amazing colors. They market themselves really well. They do. They, they're really clever about their marketing. Another company that markets themselves really well is Farron Ball. Yeah. Their colors are absolutely insane. I think their colors are absolutely gorgeous and they can be matched even though they said that they can't be matched. Anything can be done. Yeah, right? of course. So, but the problem I have with Farron Ball is that they suck when it comes to durability. Mm -hmm. You can paint it the way they're specif specifying it to paint it and it's like they, the paint stretches. You can do one coat and get far more quality out of it. And I'm like, it's not true, man. You can scuff it, no problem. I, I've seen... Sherwin-Williams products be painted and all of a sudden scuffed and then it's actually fixed or repaired or, or wiped out and it's, it's perfect. It's clean. The marketing can't trump 
the quality of the paint is where I'm trying yeah, to get Yeah, you're at. totally right. Yeah, but, but it's the, the same thing as clients coming in and, and uh, wanting high-end like Cadillac paint job, not understanding that 95% of it comes from prep. It's the same thing. Same thing. It's, the, it's that marketing same piece. Thing. It's, yeah. it's well easy. said, man. You've got an uphill battle when it goes to that, but I just want to share that because I just think that uh, there's uh, great products out there. But you've yeah. got us, if you hire somebody and you saw their work either in person or in a photograph and you respected the work that they did, then take their cue and let them do it the way they did it. That's right. Don't tell them to use specific products because you're not familiar with them. I'm pretty sure the homeowner's not familiar with them. It's usually the designers and architects who, do, who request specific products. And they're familiar with test patches. Yeah. of painting 16 inch square sections yeah. of yeah. you know on a flat surface right by the and perfect extrapolating sun. that and extrapolating exactly and doing that r d for no and you're good at being in an entire job site and getting into the nooks and crannies of a closet and painting that trim that's i rather have that information instead of a mm. test pad yeah and i think there's you know for the listeners out there there's a couple things that need to be put in a stipulation in the contract too again another scenario we had flashing on a wall and the customer wanted an eggshell. It just wasn't working. It just kept flashing and flashing and flashing. We decided as a team that we needed to go flat. By going flat and changing the design, the we took away the sheen. Uh, but in the design, he wanted that kind of sheen. And by removing that, we removed the problem. It's important to like state in a contract that, you know, okay, we'll agree to this, but if we have problems with the surface, the substrate, you know, drywall, the painting before we don't, we can't control those, that animal, we may have to do this and to repair it. And if yeah. you don't have that in your contract, it's not going to be, it's not going to be good for you. I think you. that's the hallmark of a professional that when you were able to make uh, snap decisions on the spot, when something's going wrong, you know how to fix it. And that's what we did for you guys over there. And yeah. also the other thing is I find that the easiest way to succeed in this business for us at least, and I think maybe just in just general contracting is try to help the person who's behind you or in front of you and who hired you. So we helped you mm. by getting you out of a tough spot so that you can put your brain on autopilot and just forget about it and focus on the tiling and other things that you have to do there. But that's so hard to do. I mean, I don't trust many people. And when it comes down to painting, it's something I really enjoy, but it really is a relief and it's a pleasure to meet someone that can do that for you or a whole team. It's not just one person, but the whole team. We, we try our best to do that. Uh, sometimes it, it works better than other times, but if you come in with that mindset, just trying to help rather than just there for the money or, or there for the job, then not only do you build a relationship with somebody because ultimately we work together hand in hand. You, you want to like the person that you're working with, but you also want to know that you're getting value from them. And where does the value come from? Well, that you can go home, sleep at night, be with your family, be with your wife and kids and not worry about, are Who? you guys painting the right, you know? No wife, no kids. Uh, um, but, getting back, club. but getting back to, uh, Manny made a comment about the Emerald and doing the top quality paint and so on. I don't think a lot of homeowners or general contractors understand that when I offer Emerald at $97 a gallon at their cost, not our cost, but at their cost, or they want a cheaper product, like say 200, and we're talking about Sherwin-Williams, right? There is a huge difference. Like if I paint a wall with Emerald and I have to do a patch, I can come back a month later and do a patch you'll never know. Yeah. You'll never know that I did that patch, but if I use a 200, still a Sherwin-Williams product, 
I'm going to have to paint that whole wall. What I'm leading to is you have to educate your customers, spend their money wisely. If they go cheap paint, they're just going to get a cheap paint job. And sometimes we have to do three or four coats with cheap paint that then you try labor. to pass that labor onto them and they don't understand like, oh, why is this happening? Well, because the paint doesn't cover. I want to get back into your steps, but we have a little segment to do right now. And that's building code talk with Manny. <laughs> so we are talking with uh, Zach from Picture Perfect Painters. Yes. And it's basically at Picture Perfect Painters. It's www.pictureperfectpainters.ca. Yeah. Info at pictureperfectpainters.ca. That's the email. Okay, guess what, guys? Keep it local. There is one code when it comes to paint. Dum, da, dum, dum. <laughs> Can anybody tell me what the one code is? Well, there's actually two, but there's one main one and then there's another one. But uh, one, one code. Okay. Make what, sure what is the objective? Make sure it's wet. No. <laughs> I'm just joking. I, I actually don't know. This is crazy. I can't wait to, to hear this. It's, I feel like I should know this. It's basically uh, the only code that's attached to paint is for exterior use that any steel must use a rust inhibited paint. Wow. Must. That makes sense. Which makes a lot of sense. Then you get into subsections of the code where it talks about interior and it's more about combustibility. So it can't be flammable regarding fire retardant. The fire retardant materials in the paint itself. So that includes interior finish, including the paint itself, wallpaper, interior finishings, and it has to be a minimum of one millimeter thick. Wow. That's the finishing of it, right? So that is part of the building code. That was amazing, Manny. Thank you. I didn't, I actually, oh, 30 years of painting and I never actually knew that. But that was probably it's really about, somewhere in there. It, yeah, it's about rust and it's about com, uh, combustibility, right? So yeah. that's what it's about. And, you know, this build, building code talk is about education. We should all yeah. know this as, as tradesmen, right? Oh, I don't know it. Well, I don't, but you know what? I'm actually looking forward to our own podcast because Manny brings something cool every week to the table like this, right? So let's get back to Zach here. So now you've masked everything off and you've got bare wood. Are you taking two different courses of action if you're coming up to MDF or Poplar or pre-primed? material every single different surface has its own corresponding primer to use if you're get, if you're doing cabinets or anything of that nature you want to pre-sand them first on site you don't have to do that you could you could just go right ahead and start spraying or painting your your wood anything shellac based uh, sorry anything with um wood tannins like maple or cedar you always want to make sure that you're sealing that with shellac first it's not the most enjoyable thing to spray with yeah. but in the long run that's what clients are looking for. They, they want to know peace of mind that five years down the road, you're not going to see wood knots. Let's go into, I want to kind of go into a little bit of a rapid fire. So if you're going right up against regular drywall, it's been finished, sanded, ready for you. What's your go-to primer on that? Cover Max with yes. <laughs> Sherwin. Love it. Okay. Yeah, Cover Max is good. Or, My objective uh, or here is not one. to make Carlito happy. No, I'm just, I, I love I'm curious. it. But now if you take that same drywall and it's level five and it's completely plastered all over the whole surface, he's using the same product? We'll probably step it up to multi-purpose okay. or we'll, we'll go with Benjamin Moore. It's step one or their high-end primer is... Uh, slipping my mind right now but most of the time it's multi-purpose so what is the purpose of or the reasoning behind using more high-end primers instead of the it lower it just helps with the leveling later that's all it is yeah okay yeah. It, it helps the paint level out even though you could still get it down with cover max that's not an issue also with coverage if you're using a bright white like an oc65 which is um, a blacklisted color in the industry why is it a blacklist it's just impossible to paint with it it takes 
and it's always more quotes than you expect and budget for. And it's difficult again to explain why that's happening. But uh, design, you know this. Designers, designers don't. Love it. No, designers love it, but they don't know how hard it is to work with. And then clients don't know. Again, clients don't really know the specifics of the paint, and then they they get heart attacks when they see the price. It's like, why is this so expensive with this paint? But again, you want to use a high hiding primer to give yourself the best opportunity to still cover in two coats, which is the standard. It goes back to foundation, man. Like you have to prep everything properly. Are you spray? Are your choices to spray everything first or roll it? We like spraying. We're specialized in spraying. What's your go-to sprayer these days? Uh, we use Graco's. Ah, Gra- good. This yeah. is a Graco house here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I really... Isn't it? It's not a Graco house? No, no, no. It's half, half. You're a Titan boy. I, I have I have a really nice Titan. I have a seven. I have a seven forty really? i. It's a I, big machine. I'm disappointed. Um, now. L- listen, it's all a, it's all in the hand, man, and the eye. I would say it's all on the tip. <laughs> oh yeah, man, he loves the tip. The tip, man, <laughs> and the I, size of it. <laughs> the tip. The, you guys can go on that whole tangent. Well, I don't care. But tips but like, are hugely important in any spray gun. You're totally right. One hundred percent. The the tip is gonna control how much volume's coming out. We're you know we're talking about spraying and and one thing I really believe in is that yes I spray also but I always have a guy coming back on a roller and just pushing it in and just feathering it out. Drywall, right? That's you're right. Talk, you're not talking about trim. That's right. Oh, just the drywall. No, 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 <laughs> no. When it comes to when it comes to yeah. drywall surfaces, I'll yeah. spray so I'm flying, and I usually have a guy that I know yeah, knows roller. how to float the roller, right? And he will float behind me, and that will just evenly distribute that paint. The dry spots will get a little bit more wet, and the wet spots get a little bit dry, dry, right? Yeah, you so. want to you want to work the paint into the drywall essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so now we're doing trim, and you're doing, uh, let me give you three options, MDF, finger joint, and poplar. Poplar, we're going to go with Duralac. It's a, it's a Benjamin Moore product, but it's created by Corona. I can't yeah, remember. Yeah, I know someone who recently acquired that. There's all this behind-the-scenes business crap that yeah, goes on. Yeah, Duralac is a good product. It, it's yeah. thin, so sometimes you would have to do two coats, but you could do it right away. It dries, it dries in a minute, and it stands like, really, really, really well. You it, wouldn't use that for MDF or finger? Uh, MDF no because uh, with MDF you want you don't want the grains to come up if, if you use Duralac it's going to be like a hedgehog you're just going to be sitting <laughs> really? in there for like days at a time really yeah it just soak it in like a sponge huh it does yeah especially the edge the end pieces of MDF yes yes it's impossible so if you're doing wainscoting of some sort and you're getting all Oil. the edges oh it's Oil. just going to be a hedgehog yeah that's funny so um, <laughs> two things is I, I love that you're talking about a different product that I just don't use and I'm it's learning. It, I'm learning something about new products from you, and and yeah. that's the whole thing. Like we all need to be well rounded with all products. If you're gonna be a professional, you need to know them all and why they work and why they don't work. Mm. Two, when it comes to MDF, I I do three things on the edges. I think it's important for guys to listen to. I usually like to use, if I can, if it's a small area, I'll do some Dyna Patch. I do get oil-based primer i'll spray the edges and clog them that's if someone's using you know m instead of high right Mm -hmm. so like if it's high density you don't really have to worry too much but if it's medium density mdf man that it's just never filling on the job and it was just impossible it what's ldf low density i don't even know (laughs) i didn't think so but we got stuck with it apparently i thought that would be cdf 
I don't China. know exactly. China. Oh, China. man. I was waiting to see what that one was. Um, and Hopefully an- no more of that now. Mm. Uh, another painter's trick, I think, for the ends of MDF is taking a, a paintbrush. Not, even if you're spraying, you still kind of got to clog that whole end but up. But won't you see the strokes? No, because you you can do you a whiz. You can do down. a whiz roll. Send it right sand, back down yeah. again. Yeah. Okay. So finger joint, you do the same thing. Finger joint is pine, pine, and it's pine. pieces of pine Sh- that shellac. are mortised. It's shellac. I know. Sh- any, yeah. Yeah. Because pine, it'll bleed. Pine, maple, cedar. It's all shellac. Yeah. It'll all bleed. If you don't see it today, you'll see it in five years. Exactly. You will. And nobody's using oil these days, right? I know America's still using. I oil. do. Oil. You still. Oil technically is illegal. You should not, probably keep that off the pocket. Not, no, no, <laughs> the not an oil-based primer. Yeah. Yeah. An oil-based primer, it's not. Oil-based primers are not so illegal. So I use oil-based for anytime I even sand down a stucco ceiling or even scrape it down. And it's I down was to, under the impression that oil was illegal. I'm, no, because, I might be wrong. No, pri- primers are still. Because, I mean, you have to think about, let's say, doing fire restoration. You have to use either oil or True. shellac on there. Okay. I, 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 hey. I've been wrong several times. And, and another thing is, like I said before, whenever I know that the edge of any trim will have a problem and it will suck up too much, I usually pull a can out and just hand spray like yep. like a, a graffiti king. And then I prep it town. again. <laughs> <laughs> but there's still a lot of houses with oil. That's like, the yeah. older homes. I know. I, know, I get but, it. But a new construction, though? But if we're talking about paint, the, the people need to know that there's a lot of homes. Guys are paying latex over oil, and then they get cracking and peeling and flaking. And well, you got to bond. You got to prime it with bonding primer first before you start throwing on top coats. Well, that's because you're a pro. But like for the I list, pre- I try for, to be one. I pretend for the, one. We, I just like to. I like to bring myself down to a level of some of the listeners aren't at our level. They need to hear these things and, and understand that these are the problems that occur when you're not prepping yourself properly. You know, again. speaking of that, Zach, do you, if you go into an older home, do you take a piece of that paint out? And is there a place that you can get analyzed that tells you how many layers or what layer or what's that finishing layer that's on there? You mean to test for oil, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. I know that I've done testing before where it was the first time where we discovered lead paint. And so we had to demo and we couldn't mechanically cut any of those trims. We had to remove them by hand and then bag them and remove them off site. But we were doing that just to test for asbestos in the house and everything like that. So if you go into an old heritage house, yeah, I'm assuming there is going to be a layer of oil or possibly lead paint. And then they're going to ask you to paint on top of that. Nail polish remover. Yeah. Really? Yeah. You put that on a little cotton swab, take it off. Or, I mean, uh, rub the trim. If it comes off, it's latex. If it doesn't come off, then it's oil. And they're also so using acetone, basically. Yeah. yeah. That's an interesting thing. We keep like a tiny little bottle on us. Yeah. So whenever we go into a client's house, and, and by now, I know from a mile away what it looks from the like. Sheen. Because it just it looks yeah. like it's been slicked back like a million times. You know? Yeah, it's like yeah. Just like gelled over. But if it's... Uh, it's like a little tip. I like that tip. Yeah. It, we, we test it right away. If, if I see telltale signs of it, I mention that to the client right away because then there's a conversion primer coat that has to go on before the the paint and then it has to be two top coats so that's a piece of information i need to know up front to make an informed decision on the job another thing is too that there's kits at sherwin williams and it's a lead test it's like a little they have that i have it in my truck right now that's awesome it's a little kit and you take the paint off you put it in there shake it up and it tells you if it's lead. i totally like that that's yeah. smart does well, benjamin I, I moore have that? About that yeah i'll show it yeah, to you in the truck when we get out it's good to know yeah. i bet you benjamin moore doesn't have that huh? maybe i don't know i don't shop there 
I have I have used their lacquers. Uh, I've I've been I've been forced to not forced, but Jackie's I, I have, a pref- to this I have one? my own preference. But I I did use their lacquers and I enjoyed them. They went mm-hmm. on very well. They were nice and smooth and they very watery and it, it for spraying that was great. Jackie's gonna listen to this show and she's just gonna shake her head. <laughs> she's a designer. Okay, so now you're putting on two coats or one coat? Two coats. Two coats, and then you're starting your nail hole filling and your... Oh, sorry, Manny, you meant about the primer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it depends. We'll we'll have to gauge it. If it covers well, sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't, then uh, we'll do a second coat if uh, if we need to. Also, we need to know the color. If it's like a deep, dark color, we might use a tinted primer, which only needs one coat. I'm a really strong believer, two coats of everything. Doesn't matter what well, you're doing. I mean, it'll kill the budget sometimes if, if you do that and when it doesn't need to be done. Well, you it's can like, always do the trick when you charge for two coats and then you roll and then back roll and then it's considered <laughs> two coats. <laughs> we don't no, it's with. not. That's not <laughs> I, it's a joke to the to the hacks out there that charge for two. <laughs> no, typically um, it's prime and one. A prime, sorry, typically it's prime and two and then... We'll make that judgment call on the spot to do the second code, but on our dollar, on our time, only because then it'll make the following preceding steps easier for us. So before the actual mic was turned on, when we got talking here, we were briefly talking about how many trim guys we've had on the show. And we've had a wide variety of trim guys when we've had guys that will fill and caulk and some guys that won't. What do you prefer? Leave it up to us. Leave it up to you guys. So let the woodworking... Tight miters, yes. no penile enlargement problems, and we just <laughs> focus on you guys taking care of all the caulking and the nail holes and everything like that, Sandy. Yeah, I mean, we know the right products to use. We know the right systems. We do this more often than, a, say, a trim carpenter guy because that's part of our process. And more often than not, builders want to have painters do the finishings. I've come into jobs not too long ago, actually, where we came in and there was mole-sized hard uh, wood filler on the trim. And we had to like literally take festivals and just like knock it all back down Oh. because it was just poorly filled. What were they using? Epoxy or something? <laughs> no, it was wood filler. But wood filler, when you're putting it on liberally and yeah. not wiping it back off, it's just going to leave a lot of work for the painter. What's your go-to wood filler? Use the one from Home Depot. It's, uh, the Elmer's one. Elmer's. I love yeah. it. I love that one. And plus, if it dries up a little bit, you add a little bit of water, mix it up, yeah. and then it all... I it actually add water to it no matter what. Yeah, I buy brand it's new. It's nice. I add water to it. It actually is really nice. I like that a lot. We use yeah. that. We use Shrink-Free from uh, Sherwin. So that's a good product. Yeah, I didn't I didn't really like that. I love Sherwin, but I didn't like that product. They gave it to me to try and yeah. it just... It was a green... Ca- it was uh, very light. Container, right? It was a very yeah. light product, but I didn't like it. It's good for back checking. So when you do your first round with wood filler second round could you could use like carbondo if it's wainscoting and you're never going to go back up on the ladder up to the ceiling but for smaller houses you could come in with uh, shrink free it's much faster that way and it sends a lot faster too and then you're depending on the trim profile you de- decide on if you're going to use a mechanical fast or sanding tool or if you're going to use your hand sanding tool <laughs> yeah i mean right. sometimes we like we take it back a notch with the hands but so we have fast tools and anything flat profile it's always a sight to behold for us because it's just so much easier to do of course if it's grooved there's a uh, festool has these like pads that you could put on the sanders and there's still there's uh, little holes in them yeah, so I've they, they them. suck it in so they we, are nice man. we have a house right now we're doing it's about fifteen thousand square feet and we've there's a lot of trim there so we we devised this system there and 
you do your first round with the with the festival, and then you have to go and back check by hand. How many guys on the crew, including yourself? It, it varies because we're seasonal. Okay, right, yeah. right now we're at six. Last six guys. Yeah, last summer we were at fifteen. You don't have six festivals because those things are five hundred <laughs> bucks a pop, man. <laughs> I would have twenty if they were five hundred bucks a pop. No, how much are they? They're more. Way more. The machine. I, no, no, I'm not talking about the vacuum hookup. Oh, right, the machine. Okay, so so the actual like sanding. Seven, eight hundred bucks. Holy cow! Really, they're that much? Yeah. yeah. They're they're spectacular. It's either that or your mortgage. No, they're they're spectacular, <laughs> man. They're really good tools, man. Like the sanding wise, they're amazing. But I didn't realize they're that. Expensive. They're expensive, but they make your job easy. And not only does it make your job easier, but it also gives more satisfaction to your painters, which in in turn enhances their productivity. You get your money back. Yeah, and no callbacks by having dirty work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, exactly. Like, so, so, you have a cleaner site. Okay, so now you've sp- you primed the first one. You're filling the holes. You're sanding the first time. You're priming the second time? Or no, you're getting right into finish? Sometimes we do. Yeah, okay. we have to. Depending if, on the if, job or the whatever yeah, the coverage the job, is. Yeah. So you put a second coat, another light sand? It's every single time you put a coat on, you have to sand. You have yeah. to sand. You ha- there's no... That's the you thing. You can't like cut corners there. I know all these guys that get into painting business and they want to do the trade, they don't realize that they have to sand so much. Yeah, it's crazy, but it's It's more true. sanding. Spraying, once you get it down to a science, it's really not that difficult. It's everything that comes before that is uh, like the bulk of the work that... Just at the beginning of winter, I had Flo at one of my job sites. He spent a week prepping. And he was done painting in two days. That's how it works. Yeah. And I mean, it was it was gold. Um, do you like to do the baseboard on the wall, or do you like to prep it? Huh? Like I, I know some guys. You know, some painters will say, "Hey, let me spray the baseboards uh, with primer oh, like before pre- pre-install." That's right. It depends. So if it's a small house, it, it's it. very difficult to do. Uh, we typically like to have everything installed for us. That way, not only can we come in and assess the job itself, and then again, if it's like butchered, we'll tell the builder or client right away, you know, there's these areas of concern, let's talk about it. Nevertheless, if it's a small house, it's just impossible. Like, where are you going to spray it? Yeah. Oh, I know where, because I could just drive to Carlito's site and I'll look at the grass. No, that won't <laughs> Throw happen. Throw down a couple of drop sheets. Hey, I was bringing it up. I didn't say it was happening at, at my site, okay? Well, apparently you like it because I'll never do it. I Listen, refuse that. we're supposed to talk about all the scenarios that you've seen along the way. Wood, um, okay, trim, get it on the wall, man. Install it. And I would, then prep it, paint yeah, it. No, you're right. Yeah. I can um, give you an example, like concrete. We have a job right now we're doing, and we discussed doing the trim beforehand. The, the house is small. It's like a small little thousand square foot bungalow. It was impossible. It would have taken us two days to do two different rounds and coming in and out versus when it's on the wall, we mask the trim and we do it in three or four hours. It's, it's just masking, man. It's yeah. important. Well, I, I used to work somewhere, you know where, and a lot of times we would get like a whole house of baseboards and we would just take them outside, spray them all. And the one I thing did, I did notice that on the show and I would shake my head at that. I'm like, that's stupid. It, it worked though. In it a, in a tight, not. when you've got 30 guys in a house filming, it's really hard to like just work properly, especially that, if you're a wouldn't painter. Wouldn't that cringe you like you to walk into a house and you, you can literally see every single finished nail because it's been pre-painted and then installed and then the nails were touched up. Wouldn't that drive you freaking oh, crazy? Because your job as a painter yeah, is to I mean, eliminate the nails, to completely disappear, man. I, okay. It would, and 
the, the farthest extent that we'll take doing finish codes before it's installed is for shoe mold. And that makes sense sometimes because you put in like the we, builders ask, you know, yeah. we, we do what they ask, right? So they don't want to have any, any like they take precautionary measures with their hardwood floor. Maybe it's some hardwood floor reclaimed from a barn in like Spain, you know, like sometimes it, you have to take those measures. So we'll do that and then we'll do tiny little touch-ups. But oftentimes, even in that case, we'll put tape around the perimeter and then we'll hit the whole entire uh, shoe mold with an artist brush. For me, I really like to put the baseboards and casings on, hang everything, get it all in place. Shoe mold? Shoe mold. I'll tape the floors, put tape down like you. I like to spray one coat of primer on everything before any caulking ever even hits the baseboard or any filler. Yeah. I like to see all the holes. I like to give it a quick sand and then I get to see all the air holes after the primers hit it. It's kind of like drywall. Before you put primer on, you think that the wall's finished and then all of a sudden, by the time you wipe it down, put first coat on, all these little holes pop out mm -hmm. and now you're skimming again. You get into level five painting? Have yeah, you, we, we do that. Quite I often. saw that a few years back and I was pretty impressed with it. Yeah, like high gloss walls. We've done that before. Yeah, because that's um, the thing about it. With high gloss walls, you can't, you don't back roll into the substrate. You just spray and then you sand and spray and sand and spray and then until it becomes perfect. And, and you skim. You do a lot of skimming because it's got to be a flat surface. So you use one of those like levelers, you put it on the wall, and then you just have to you use an HVLP gun, by the way. And then you just have to be thorough with it. You have to be patient and you have to do your due diligence. I didn't like the level, f I, I used uh, Certantine a, a few paint, times. The yeah, paint? Five, level five Certantine. We were called in for a project where the mutters had done a, like not a level five, they just did a three coats. The windows, there were so many windows and the open concept was so large that the light was showing everything. They decided that they would say, oh, we'll just put level five primer on there. It's just not enough. It, it has its place, but it's not enough. It's not the same as doing a plaster level no, five. No, nothing. Like you let the mudder do his job and then let the painter do I've tackled do their the job. mud, but I haven't tackled the paint yet. So it, there's, there's some skill behind it. Didn't it. it didn't work for us. And I, we tried it many times. We put it on thick. We sanded it. I got a fast tool too. I sanded it with that. It was much easier. It makes it more enjoyable. <laughs> you don't want to sand, but you have to, right? Okay, so back no, you, to you could, you could sand for hours with that thing compared to uh, like a Dewalt, and you're just your eardrums are gonna blow out after now. Yeah, Dewalt's <laughs> great for hanging pictures. <laughs> uh, back to painting. Yes, <laughs> the um, trim. So we got the primer sanded, and now you're putting the first coat on. Yes. Everything so, sanded, ready for the first coat. Uh, to your point, it makes it makes logical sense to prime first, then fill, then sand, because you're killing two birds with one stone. And I've done this mistake myself when I was learning. We would fill everything because that technically common sense says you know fill all the holes. But you know once you get down the road, you start to learn different tri uh, tricks. And then you sand, and then you prime, and then you sand again. And then there's your, there's your two rounds of sanding instead of just one, the That's way right. that you and I like to do it. Yeah. So yeah, we would prime, fill, sand, uh, put on the first coat, and then do the caulking. And the reason for that is it's much easier on the finger to do the caulking after the first coat. And for sanding, because some guys will sand caulking, and it is just yeah. a nightmare. That's interesting. So you're caulking after the first finish coat. Yeah. I've always had it put on after the second yeah, that's what I do on the prime second. coat and before the first finished coat. We're, we've started using this method. We're 
we're still in the R and D phase of it. I'll, and what's the, I'll get what's, back to you. What, what are the pros and cons on that? Why would you want to do it after the first coat, finish coat? After the first coat, number one, what you're saying about sanding the caulking itself, uh, but also we find that it doesn't make any difference when you do it, as long as you do it well with the lights, as I mentioned, which is why it's important to have it. For employee morale, it's much easier to caulk a 15 or 10,000 square foot house when we've already put paint on there because it's it's, it's smoother instead yeah. of instead of doing it with like primer on there. It's mainly for that and the reason that uh, sometimes when you over sand caulking it just it looks horrible afterwards. What's your go-to caulk? Whoa. <laughs> C-A-U-L-K What would they say? That's a loaded that gun, buddy That's a loaded gun <laughs> What is your go-to? Are you a dap guy? No, no. no. We, oh. we, we, we used to be when we were amateur <laughs> Got it yep. <laughs> This show is brought to you by dap uh, No, no, no So what are you using? Powerhouse Powerhouse, which is that one? Sherwin-Williams Okay, I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, the, yes, yeah, the yeah, green yeah, yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the red. The green one is Shermax or Shermax, Sher yeah. That is good stuff. Shermax is expensive and you don't really, it's overkill on the interior. With exterior, it's always Shermax, nothing else, because you need to have that elasticity and the moisture resistance. With interior, it's powerhouse. It's the best. It's, uh, it's easy to caulk, it's, uh, it lasts, it stretches. Like, it's a premium product to use. And are you bonding? You're not doing any bondo for any micro holes or anything like that, or you just no. Going we would we would bondo joints if it's on a wainscoting wall, especially if it's a two-story wainscoting wall. You you want to have as much reinforcement there as possible because, a, no one's going back up there after it's done, and b, if someone does want to go back up there, joints happen on place where you can't just tape around it, right? Like they're all connected, board the uh, the boards are all flowing together, so you would have to do the whole wall again. That's why Bondo and nothing else for, for joints. Here's a question for you painters. I got two painters here. A year down the line, the crown splits from the ceiling. It was wood. Who is the GC going to call? The painter or the trim guy that put it? He should call himself for getting the wrong product. <laughs> or getting no, the wrong install. Where, where I'm going with this is that it, it's, it falls on the trim guy because it, it wasn't installed properly. It didn't split open because it wasn't painted properly. It was the crown that wasn't installed properly. Am I wrong to say that? We can only do so much, man. Exactly. I mean, the house humidity. moves. So that's what I'm saying is that I'm not calling you guys back. I have to. I should call the trim guy back, right? Well, well and you'll that, call both because then we'll have to come and touch up. True. But the first call should definitely be the trim guy. No? Yeah. I wanted to go back to caulking too because, I mean, I'm glad that you used Sherwin-Williams. Hi. Um, I use on the, your mind? I use the... I'm a little bit eccentric. Uh, people think I'm weird that I use more than one caulking in the house. House. On my exterior walls, anything that's a cold wall that will actually transmit cold, I use the 850A, the red. Mm. And then on the inside walls, I use the blue. And I find that I have no cracking from that. But when it comes to crown molding, that's really about prepping the a contractor or the homeowner and telling them what kind of material they have. And that's why I was talking about styrofoam. I go to styrofoam, I'm a styrofoam guy because there's no cracking. Well, it's funny you bring that up because I did a job where he was adamant, the client, about me using MDF crown. And it was a back split. And I said to him, I guarantee you that's going to split. It's just going to split. I'll try to do as much. I'll do all my blocking on the back and I'll hit all the joists and, the, and, and all the studs and everything. But I'll guarantee you it's split. And guess what happened six months later? It split. 
And then he was like, well, can you come back? And I go, I'll come back one time, but it's going to split every season that it changes. That's just how it is. Yeah, until it settles finally. Yeah, I know, but it's They're splits. green products. That's why they call these houses green for the first two years, right? That's why they don't want you finishing a basement because everything's wet and green and it's still settling. It's moving. There's a lot of movement and, and brand new lumber. A lot of people don't realize when you buy new lumber and you build a house, it starts from the framing. You know, like the framing is going to move, the drywall is going to move, then the wood's going to move. You can't blame that on the on the painter, unless yeah. he used DAP. So unless he used DAP, <laughs> <laughs> then, then repaint the whole house. You might as well. <laughs> you're spraying all the trim. It depends. If it's a new house, uh, our go-to is spraying. That's where our happy place is. But in a Toronto house, especially in a repaint, sometimes we're not able to do that. Get a brush. And the thing is, there's a case to be made for brushing as well. It, it's got this old school vintage patina to it. Yeah. That Clients have asked love. for it. They want to just stick with it. I get it. I understand yeah. it. And you can you can make a door look like it's sprayed with rollers and brushes. You can. If you know what you're doing. You can, True. You can use... Uh, just don't uh, use the orange peel rollers. That's all. Well, <laughs> and, and you know what? Well, so, yeah, I agree with you on that one. <laughs> but this is important. Like, I send some... Like, my, some of my friends are like, hey, can I use your discount for paint and i say yeah no problem but make sure you grab the right roller and they're like oh, i got a roller and i go no every paint has a, a roller for its purpose they're designed not to give you you know orange peel or uh too much too dragging much yeah. yeah we so, did that at uh, sorry i mean to cut you off but you i do it all the time cut them off <laughs> this is about right, you right this you. is about you today <laughs> well i feel privileged <laughs> No, just to that point, when we did the, the job for you, it was the rollers that we used on, uh, I think it was new, like builder's grade uh, drywall and paint there. It, it was uh, soft woven rollers. That's what got us the finish that we got. Otherwise, if, sometimes we do microfiber, which is, is fine. Like these walls in here were painted with microfiber. I could tell because it doesn't really make any difference. Uh, but for that specific job, we used the soft woven roller again from yeah. Sherwin. It was, I, it was uh, Ultra Dove. That's what I use. Ultra Dove. Yeah, yeah. that's the one. Yeah, my favorite go-to. Yeah. So now we're about to paint the walls. Can we stop? Why? I want to really mention something. Actually, no, we can stop because we have to do... We have to do Green Book Talk. <laughs> <laughs> That's over to Carlito. All right. So let's... Uh, we have prepared something for Zach. We have? <laughs> and <laughs> one of us is prepared. Yeah. So we're going to ask you a number, and you're going to have to guess what the infraction... Uh, penalty <laughs> is infraction. okay okay so you realize that that whole book has got more than just infractions right yeah i know <laughs> okay. so for uh, 46-2 worker failing to use provided respiratory respiratory uh, protective equipment what do you think the fine is for that 550 no sorry I, i'd say a couple hundred bucks 250 you say 250 you say 200 for your first penalty your first charge it's 250 dollars so you got I, an in on me. <laughs> I, I, brought, I brought the respirator one up because we wear respirators all the time. Yeah. And it's so important because you know what? If you're going to paint for 30 years in this industry, you better save your lungs. 100%. I totally agree with you that. You don't want and crystallizing. So, yeah, no, I've seen many times plenty of contractors and painters and especially clients. The clients are the ones that need to be educated the most because they come in there and we're spraying. They're like, wow, everything looks so good. This and that. Let like, them. Yeah. But then you look over and you're like, I think that guy's doing blow. And you're like, no, he just wasn't wearing a respirator. Well, who pays the bills after, right? And that was 
That was Green Talk, <laughs> a Green Book Talk <laughs> from um, Carlito. Okay, and so we're talking to Zach from Picture Perfect at Picture Perfect Painters and www.pictureperfectpainters.ca, info at pictureperfectpainters.ca. Yeah. No, I love the name, by the way. It's great, man. Picture it, Perfect Painters. It's, it's Picture Perfect. Can't take the credit for it. It was my partner. Oh, he came up with it? It's yeah. great. But you guys are working together. We were uh, no mess painters before this. Something no, garbage like really? that. Really? No mess? Uh, no. <laughs> it, no. No mess, bro. No. <laughs> no, that That's good, work. too, though. I like it. I wanted to steal the uh, spotlight off of you for a second. I wanted to make sure that everyone listening that's a painter or are going to try to attempt to paint themselves, one of the biggest things I learned that could just jeopard like it could cost you a fortune is make sure that with today nobody's keeping up with old lumber anymore like this when you buy trim it doesn't sit at at the stores for three months or six months and dry out a lot of this stuff is just cut fresh for you and by the time you get it to the house you, you already think, brought this up man yeah i know but we're talking about painting and i've been wanting to talk about it and if someone no, no, but you brought up the wood already that it's green yeah, so what happens is the, the, it can bleed through. And yeah. I just wanted to make it a point that make sure your, your wood is really dry. It doesn't matter what kind of uh, lacquer you put on it. It doesn't matter what kind of urethane you put on it, uh, what kind of primer. It will bleed through. With poplar, you could still use Duralac, but there's going to be times when you have to back check everything and use little uh, shellac spray bombs and, and do that uh, back checking with green uh, sap coming through. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, no, I I, I love poplar that's primed. I just love the smell of it. I love the look of it. I like it when it's sanded. It just looks great. Then I love it when the first coat's on. It just looks perfect. I love the last coat. <laughs> <laughs> I just love it. It's beautiful. Okay, so now we got to paint the walls. You're gonna mask off all the trim, depending yeah. on the colors, or it doesn't matter if it's a different color than the wall. Then it has to be masked off. Yeah, we we always use tape. It's, yeah. It's, so what tape are you using on that? Are you still using the, the, the yellow tape? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's always yellow. Again, green tape is green painter's tape. It's garbage. Painter's mate. Yeah. No, it's I mean, garbage. You, it's garbage. It's got its place. I mean, I wouldn't say that yeah, it's Yeah, in the garbage. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, use, I use all three of them. For finishing lines? Yeah. Wow. I use you, blue. You can I use, use the green tape too. on... Uh, like cookie cutter rooms, for instance, where you, it doesn't it. really make sense to, to go high end like that. But with premium houses, you want to use premium products because it's going to give you those laser cuts. I like using the orange core blue tape. What's that one? A 3M. 3M makes good tape. And it's called what? It's the I, orange core. I don't know the name okay. of it or was skew whatever, but it's orange core. I like using the yellow when I do like uh, stripes in someone's master bedroom or kid's yeah. room. Like that's when I like to use... I really tell people too is if something peels off and I wasn't the guy that did the work before because a lot of guys before they paint they don't realize that those walls need to be ragged down with a damp cloth not a soaking wet cloth but mm -hmm. the, the drywallers should be wiping down their walls before the painters get to it in a perfect world yeah my world Take oh, it upon myself. Well, right, if they to do did my own use job. a Festool Planex, it would be vacuuming and it, it's not sanding. Enough. It's not enough. You got to get a wet rag, squeeze it out, and just give it a quick wipe. You don't have to spend okay. a whole day on it. But. Okay. So now the finish wall. You're applying it, spraying it, and back rolling it? Typically, we don't spray and back roll. We just we do the old-fashioned way and just cut and roll. There's instances to make a case for spraying and back rolling. For instance, it's a big house. We're doing one color throughout the entire house, and it's matching. It's only one sheen level 
from walls, which is matte, and then the trim is eggshell in, um, in ScuffX. So then we sprayed and backrolled and sprayed and backrolled two coats. So one primer, one finish, then we're doing all the trim, then we're going back there to do the final coat. That's much faster that way for a, for a massive house. If we're going into like a normal house, then we do our trim, prime plus two, and then we do, uh, well, the walls are already primed from before, and then we do two top coats on there. Always two top coats. Always two top coats. It yes. makes sense, man. And, but Sometimes I, even more, depending on depending the color. Depending on the color, how deep, and depends yeah. on how, it, how the finish like, is going, because you yeah. may not get that perfect finish on the second coat. You might need exactly. one more pass. I still really... And sanding in between. Yes. It's always... You have to pull sand in between. If you're a painter, you're a sander. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but even more important, I really want to say this, and, and you guys might not feel the same way, but I think primer is more important than paint. It's going to cover up all the oil, <laughs> resin, anything that's in the wall. <laughs> I think really that you need primer for the paint to look the way it's Again, look. Manny, we don't have to agree. Listen, <laughs> Romeo needed Juliet, okay? Did he? Kane apparently didn't need Abel. <laughs> Maybe but... he needed three girls. <laughs> <laughs> no, you need the primer as much as you need the paint, and they, they work hand in hand, I think. Yeah. I don't think one's more important than the other, but I think they both work hand in hand. Now, in an ideal world, there's no trades in there. It's just the painter's house to oh, do yeah. what he needs to do. Yeah. I'll prime everything one shot. I'll do the ceilings. Then I'll paint all my trim and doors. And then yeah. I'll just do the walls myself, just like you. Now, what are you telling the clients after you finish painting everything? It looks crisp, clean, beautiful. It depends on what client you're asking about. Builder, pre uh, residential, No, the actual, commercial. so the homeowner itself. Because like, I know that are all paints... A 28-day, 30-day curing process that you can't touch them, you can't scuff them, you can't do anything to them. You have to let them fully cure. Yeah, I mean, with walls, it doesn't matter because it's, you can touch them up. You can't tell a client that they're not allowed to go in their house and enjoy the, the new space because of paint curing. We do always tell them that. If, if we're spraying cabinetry, so millwork, and, and uh, they have artwork or books decor to put up, then yes, we tell them you can't put anything on here for at least 14 days. Otherwise, it's going to lift the paint. It's going to ruin the finish for you. With walls, we can always touch it up. And uh, uh, speaking of the paint itself, if you use a lower grade paint, which sometimes you, you, can, you have to uh, just to like fit into their budgets, there is a trick to touch up paint. Water down the paint a little bit, slightly, so that when you roll it on the wall, you can do a small section instead of doing the whole wall, and it doesn't leave a halo. You around. did that at our job site. I know it was... It was I had cool. to, yeah, yeah, because then I would have painted that house like 15 times over. Yeah, that's interesting. Very eccentric customer. I love them, though. Okay. We do that quite a lot. We have um, clients, like commercial clients and retainers, where we go in there once a year and then just do touch-ups for them. Instead of painting the entire wall, which would cost them triple the amount, we come in and do small little touch-ups around. So you're not just painting the actual trim and the walls and the ceilings, but you're also painting cabinetry. You're refinishing cabinetry. Yeah. Yeah, Are you staining? You're staining stairs and wood? Yeah, we're, we're a full service. Like okay. All the way from cradle to grave. Got it. Okay. Everything that can be coated, we coat. Um, we know how to do Interior, it. exterior. Interior, exterior, in the shop and on site. You, do you get into epoxy? Flooring? No, not yet. No, that's a different one. So world. I guess that's one thing that we left off the list for now. Okay. But, and uh, wallpaper as well. Uh, you don't do wallpaper? We do. That's good because not a lot of painter painters do wallpaper. They don't want to touch yeah, it. It's it's a dying art, but I think it's, it's an a art, resurgence. man. That's an see, art. and that's where I like Farron Ball. I think Farron Ball's wallpaper selection yeah, oh, it's top -notch. is pure wood, right? Like, I totally love it. It looks yeah. amazing. It's great. It, Crown is good too. We're bringing Zach back just for wallpaper. I'll talk. 
we don't okay. have enough it's, time today. Oh, really? No, no. There, I there's a lot of nuances with wallpaper. Yeah, no. Wallpaper is not as simple as people think. And I, yeah. I love that expression when you tell the clients about the, the reveal. And they're like, what are you talking about? Well, yeah, the pattern you just chose has got a four-foot reveal on it. Yeah. So you're basically <laughs> going to lose half the roll every time you do one yeah. course. Or double cutting. Yeah, you know, all or that double stuff. booking. Uh, all that stuff. Yeah. So there's a bunch of world there that clients have no idea. No idea. <laughs> Is this another segment of yours? No, no, no. no. You should make one. Um, what, <laughs> it's going to be a whole show of segments. Uh, <laughs> I just wanted to mention something about stairs. Uh, if people are painting them, usually I, I get people to put a latex a, a urethane on top of the paint so yeah. that they don't scuff the uh, runners uh, when they're walking up the stairs. Just a little throw in there oh i like that that's a cool idea yeah you and because it's latex it doesn't go gold it stays clear it doesn't go yellow yeah no yeah. it goes yellow if it's oil i know it goes yeah. urine yellow yeah i know oh i love that i hate it it looks like <laughs> crap man i can't stand that um, also one of my biggest pet peeves is customers always tell me oh i'm very sensitive and i don't want vocs Shut up. <laughs> Hi, VOCs. Your television, your carpets, your MDF is off-gassing way more than the paint. This, Shut up. <laughs> that's how you speak to your clients? No, inside. Like, oh. I'm, I'm looking at them. That's what I'm really saying. Inside voice. But I thought all paints nowadays are all VOC-free. Low VOC. Low VOC. Yeah. There is zero VOC, like uh, Natura, I think. Sherwin has some, and Ferron Ball, they claim to be zero VOC But, I mean, well. there's far more chem chemicals in, like you said, there are chemicals in those LED TVs, man. It's all marketing, man. Yeah, that's all it is, right? But, so, but those products don't last long. I wanted to ask you if you could change anything in the industry, what would you change? <laughs> this question never comes up. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think you should have prepared me for this. This is a deep question. Um, I, I think These the, are all personal the opinions. The perception of painters you know we're not we're not just people who come in and slap some paint on the walls and, and call it a day there's a true art form to this like and a thousand percent and, and it's uh, it's workmanship it's only because you see on tv some guy standing on a ladder rolling off the wall in a w-shaped pattern <laughs> like with with absolutely no gear it doesn't mean that you could do it yourself. Hey, you're laughing, but he's on TV too. I, I, you know, I don't watch those two shit rental shows. I can't stand them. We, we made them, you right? guys so. look good, though. <laughs> well, and and so, that's a great point, Zach. It's the painter that makes all the trades look great at the very end. Exactly. I mean, it's a well, team. We try. We try. It's a team, but you guys are the last ones out the door and putting the cherry on the top. Always a team effort. It definitely helps when everything starts with from the framing all the way to the painting and everything in between it's always good to have a strong core team together yeah. i can't wait to have him back again you know here's here's a scenario that i want to paint <laughs> that was good <laughs> no, I, just, I, caught myself, I, I caught myself on that one don't you find it it's interesting that out of all the trades that we have that a lot of guys will call the concrete guys, the framers, the drywallers, the electricians, the plumbers. Hey, can you come over to my house and give me a hand and help? But nobody ever calls you guys. They all yeah. do their own painting. All the trades do their own painting. Yeah, we see that. But well, why the, is that? It's, it's access barriers to entry. It's access into the industry. It's very easy to go and pick up a paint roller and some uh, paint and couple of rags and a brush and call yourself a painter. That's right? funny. You can actually change that whole statement to designer. That too. It, it's true. It's it, everybody's a photographer now. Everybody's a designer now. True. And it seems to me that a lot of people claim to be painters, but 
that process of painting is not it's not um cookie cutter you got to know what you're doing and you have to have patience for it which is why a lot of people who deal with wood or with marble or any other substrates they call painters because they hate painting are you charging by the linear foot and square footage or are oh, you we charging have a whole system linear it's a whole feet, system square it's a combo feet. yeah got it yeah sometimes by day sometimes by hour sometimes by job it, it depends. Sometimes, depending on the client, you know. The products are different. Yeah. There, there's that company that does, what is it, paint in a day or something like that? Wow, one day. Wow, in one day. Yeah. I well, always laugh at them. I want to get at that because I'm, I'm working at a house right now. Uh, my One of my wife's best friends called me up and said, you know, she's had enough of the contractors, blah, blah. Can you come and finish my place? So I'm over there and she was bragging to me before I took a look at the house and she was saying, uh, Oh, I had these guys come in and they painted the whole house in one day. And I'm like, Oh wow. Uh, that should be pretty interesting. And then I said, can I use your bathroom? And I went in the bathroom and they didn't even cut in around the, the around just, they just rolled right up to it. And I'm just like, she actually thought it was fantastic because they were done in one day. No quality, no dap, no sanding, no filling. That's it was how just you get done in one, one day. Coat. It Sometimes was one coat, man. That's all they want. Wham, wham bam, thank you, ma'am, and you yeah. know, that's it. Well, they only want that at the bars. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I guess they're the version of student painters or whatever, those kinds of yeah, organizations. I'd say they're the current version of that. And there's a market for that as well. I there mean, is. Although I find it hard to believe how you can do a good job in one day when sometimes prep takes a day to dry. Yeah. And then sometimes you need to do two or three rounds that, of it. That's why when they first launched, I was looking at them going, it takes longer than a day just to prep. I've spoken with some painters from their circle and what, who they run with, and it says a day of painting. It doesn't say a day of everything. Okay. So they come in there the day before, maybe prep, put things together, and then they paint in That's the how they explain it. Yeah, but again, with paint, it's, you have to have dry times. And if you don't have dry times, you don't have good coverage. Totally. You, you don't have good yeah. uh, paint penetration. You may have flashing in the end because you're putting coat after coat yep. and it's still wet. Read the can. There's actually drying times on the can. Yeah, that's it's why it's there. A, a drying times and temperature. Yeah. Right? Because people just think, oh, it's the same drying time in the winter as Humidity it is in the summer. Humidity plays a big one too. No, it's not. You have to factor in all that stuff. So there's, there's a, and that's why I started the whole podcast and I was saying, listen, painters are tradespeople. It's part of the whole deal. Don't look at them like you guys can do it. It's not this W bullshit. A I appreciate what you guys are doing here, by the way. You know, putting us in the spotlight and showing the world what it takes to be a painter. So I hope that I'm paving a path for like the future. Oh, painters. yeah, yeah there is, man. You're making footsteps for everybody yeah. right now. Yeah. What's your favorite color? What's in my house? favorite? What's your favorite Me color? Me personally, house? I've always skewed heavily from my first year of construction, 11 years now going on 12 to darker tones. I personally, I, I come from the film background, so I was really well aware of whenever production designers would come in and they would want to paint a set a certain color, and they did it for different reasons because we would light it for the day application, we would light it for the night application, and I love darker, more dramatic tones because your family room, your kitchen, your bedroom will look different at night than it does during the day. I will always skew towards a really dark, dark blue or dark, dark violet. And it you'll have that hint of blue or violet in the color during the day with the sunlight pouring through. But at night, it'll look like a gray, dark, black violet. I like that stuff. 
I can't stand CC40. I can't stand Chantilly Lace. Keep it I to yourself. I can't stand any of that <laughs> stuff. I like Chantilly. That's uh, I actually like those colors. You know they have what? their place. They should start making all the for sale signs in those colors because that's what that color is for. It's for a for sale sign. That's my point. Okay, now back to Zach. <laughs> I'm actually with you on that, uh, Manny. Uh, I do like my darker tones. It all, I think it all depends on your personal preference it, and your character and personality. If you're a lighthearted person and you're jolly all the time, you might go with a white or you know some type of um, a bright color. But if you're more of a serious person, you know maybe like you're more business-like. <laughs> then you, you you might go with something more regal. It and it depends on the room as well. It, you know you wouldn't depends on the room, the style of the house. Listen, I love white. If you've got a modern contemporary house, paint it all white, trim and everything, all exactly the same sheen, same white, same everything, totally. But if you've got a nice house and you have different rooms, you have a study, you have like a family room and it's walled, it's not open concept. Man, go different colors. And well, let your kid go with an accent wall. Do stripes. Do yeah. kind of, like do all kinds of stuff. Don't be afraid. You don't have to do grayish. You know what I'm saying? You, wait a second. I was just about to say I love my black and grays. Um, I also like, and because I think it's European in me, I like my Venetian finishes. Uh, oh, I love those. Uh, I love wallpaper. Have you done that yeah. 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 We're just getting into that too. Actually, my wife is like, like at the top of the food chain, she does like, she was doing 25 to 50,000 square foot homes. She was doing gold leafing and crazy wow. detailing. Like she can make a piece of metal look like wood, a piece of wood look like metal. She does like She's crazy, crazy. It's uh, all in the trowels. No, I'm not right? even joking Isn't you. Isn't it? Yeah. Huh? It's all in the trowels. The trials that you use. It's so all in the wrist, man. That's what it is, right? Yeah, her that's wrists I, are ruined. I've seen some videos and I'm like, it's just the, the trial work. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. But it can really, accenting a wall is just, you know. And you guys are now offering that, Zach? Well, we're starting to. We did a couple small jobs, accent walls type of thing. We haven't done 25,000 square foot houses yet. Uh, but when will, I'll call you up. Call Just you go up. to the Wood Bridge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, or Opel. <laughs> yeah, no, we're, we're getting into a lot of different things. The way that the market's going now, you want to be able to offer everything under one roof. Nobody wants to shop around anymore. Everybody's looking for instant gratification. And if you can offer them the full package. It's good that you're offering the wallpaper and now Venetian. Yeah, if you guys get into epoxy coatings, that'll be a different yeah, ballgame as well too, right? But the that's the last piece of the puzzle. That's a different set of tools now. That's a different, even though it's paint, it's still a different set of tools. But it's still, actually, that would benefit you, man. Because a lot of people call you and get that stuff done. It's more like what, we, what we're good at, we offer. We, we know we're good at wallpaper. We know, we know we're good at uh, like the painting that we started off with. And we're getting into cabinets. And uh, well, we've been doing cabinets a while, but uh, Venetian plaster. But something that uh, if it's a small job for a small client, well, you might test it out. Maybe do it on the house for the first job. It would never be somebody calls me and says, can you do this? And I say, yes, even though I've never done it before. That's not our MO. But right. that's how Richard Branson built his whole empire, man. Always say yes and figure out how that's to right. do it. He had a lot of fail saves, right? Oh, like, yeah, no, he, no, he, he did. He, he, he didn't. Did. He wasn't uh, too he over was daring. We don't want to let someone down, right? Of course. Like, if we did a small epoxy floor before, then we'll make that leap to do a huge one, even though that hasn't been done before. Or maybe used, we may need to use different products, different uh, tools. It's never going to be like from zero to 100 right away. We do small little iterations to get to the point where we need to be. Quick question. I guess you're using lacquer now. We are. Yeah. Well, for cabinets. Yeah. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. And who are you using? Sherwin-Williams or Benjamin Moore? It's, it's a different product. Or Steel's no, Paint. Campbell, isn't it? <laughs> no. It's, uh, yeah. What, do they make lacquers? They, ha they we, carry everything. We use Canlac lacquers. 
It's a different product. It's yeah, not it's that's what one I thought. It's, it's like car paint. Yes. Yeah. yeah, it's phenomenal. It, and it, it holds up. Like you can do anything to it. And you can put keys to it and then it'll still hold up. And it's got a nice hard surface yeah, to it. It, yeah. it dries a lot better and it's so, it's glass smooth. Yeah, I'm, I'm just, I just got into lacquers in the last year. It's, I mean, it's crazy. More coats, more work, but finished product is bulletproof. That's yeah. what I meant to say. It, yeah. it really is. You, like you could throw anything at it. You could throw the kitchen sink at it and it'll still hold. You could take any product and wipe it down, clean it, and yeah. you don't have to worry about anything happening to it. Yeah. Higher end homes, now it's a standard to use lacquer for all, like, I don't exactly know what the threshold is there because it's more of a premium than to use a, like a Benjamin Moore or a Sherwin-Williams product. But most of the high-end homes that we go into, uh, the ones that like you see in Architectural Digest, those are all done with lacquer now. Yeah, it's the way of the future. I mean, people have been doing it. It just, no one really knew about it, right? Now we're educating people. What do you mean? Like right? all the trim is yeah, done in lacquer? All the trim, yeah. All the Wayne doors. Scott. I thought Wayne's. it was, isn't it like, I thought you can't spray lacquer on a house where you have to turn off all the gas appliances i think you do have to i mean again we've never done there's that. a disconnect right you know what but um, i would have been dead by now then i at, have a negative air and it's sucking the it's sucking all of that into okay the so filter. if you're doing that it's fine but i also think that you have to kill all the pilot lights also for your fireplace for your hot water tank for your furnace well it's good you're telling me now i'm just saying that's the reason why you were never told i was told this by a gas fitter guy he was telling me because lacquer creates a certain negative pressure inside the house when you're applying Good it. Good point. I'll L keep listen, that in mind. I'm not a pro on those levels. I just, you know, I read things. That's all I do. Funny you say that because it, when I spray lacquer, everything's covered that would have any way of having a flame but to the it. The smallest flame can ignite because you know yeah. how lacquer works. It's it's just all airborne and it it's like a it's like a connection. So it's like you making a trail with a gas tank and you're running a line of fuel. Okay, that's that's great. From I'm just now look on, into it. I'm going to shut saying. off the fireplace and saying. the stoves. That's a good point. Great excellent Look point. into excellent it because I agree with you. I That's why I keep on skewing towards these really finished, sprayed finishes on site where I want to see trim and I want to see baseboard shoe mold. I want to see every, I want to see the walls like perfectly as if they were done in a in an oven. Yeah, mm. but that's how I want to see. Touch-ups are going to be I don't tough. care about that. It's just no, man, you make it perfect and touch-ups you can't fix because we've all done kitchens and they were sprayed in a booth and then brought to the site and installed and then someone including myself hit it and then it was repaired. Yeah, you with can't a sponge. Fix it. No, they can. No, <laughs> can, they can you, fix it. And it you can airbrush it. I got a little airbrush. It, sometimes it disappears. Or you just man. take it back to the shop at that point. But yeah. on that point of lacquer, whenever we do kitchens on site, we create negative pressure inside yeah. of the yeah. of the room. So we we plastic it off with the zip ties. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And then we zip do, wall. Zip wall. Thank you. And uh, we put a um, an zip ties. You're going to another category. Yeah, no, that's that's true. <laughs> 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 that's a whole different ball game there. Plastic and zip ties. <laughs> Woo. <laughs> no, we keep it PG with this. <laughs> and uh, we put an air mover. We put it outside of the the house. Yeah, uh, so you so have to do that. That's you have to, a lot yeah. of people don't realize. Oh, they're just la 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 la, just spraying. All of a sudden, kaboom! Thank God that's never happened to me. I'm just saying that it can. Like, look into it. It can. It's no, pretty it's a great point, man. I'm but, gonna keep it in mind. But that's all. Yeah. Okay. No, no, no. I'm just curious about that. But it takes a little more effort. It, it but does. Number one, it's safer, and two, it looks professional. Oh, it looks when, amazing. When, when a client comes in there and sees your whole entire setup as if it's your own little world, your own little shop, they know that they're in the right hands. I love that you're building a business like 
specifically, like you're growing a certain kind of business that you are going into a certain segment of the market, you're still offering the lower end, but you want to go towards the higher end and try new things. It reminds me of a video that I saw recently where if you buy a Rolls Royce, they can paint it any color you want. I, I saw this video today. I know. Just before I came to so the podcast. They, and, and here's how crazy it gets. You can match the color to your fucking dog if you want. I think and we saw the it. same video. Oh, it's online, right? Yeah. So it's on YouTube. Or it's pretty, but I was pretty impressed with that, right? And, and I like that guys are looking at like your business. You're doing the same thing. You're trying to build a business that caters to the client on so many levels. So if they hire you to come in and, and do their finished trim and their walls and the ceilings and everything like that. But if you want to get Venetian wallpaper, epoxy eventually, if you want to offer them like some full finishes, you guys can do that. I love that you're looking to expand the business that way. That's what yeah. I like about it. And that's what just reminded me about that video there. Can't afford it. 700 grand for a fucking car, which is Lu- stupid. Yeah. Luxury services is where you can expect lu- luxury margins, right? Exactly. How do you feel about painting doors and baseboards the same colors as walls? I Monochrom- don't like Monochromatic it. is actually a style that we've done quite often lately. Quite frequently, sorry. I'm not a huge fan of it personally. I like the contrast between the wall and the and the trim. We've done that. We're actually doing that as we speak right now in a couple of. Our I love it on accent walls. And Depends I like on libraries, the style of the home. Bathrooms. Depends on the style of the home. Yeah. Modern homes, yes. They they're all. And for the listeners, I really am into dark colors on ceilings. Not many people are open-minded to it, but it is coming back. And what I do just you mean, thought like blacks and grays. And- sure. How what do you guys think about that? Depends on the room. Depends on the purpose of the room. Okay. So now we're going to get to, <laughs> out of the questions, to uh, what are you doing for retirement? You're a young guy. We're older. We've learned now that uh, if you don't have investments or money saved, uh, you can be in a lot of trouble in this industry. What are you doing for your future since you're so young still? I'm thinking about it. I think that's the first step is to, to consider it and uh, to be cognizant of it specific things that i'm doing like you know investing as everybody else does putting more money into reinvesting into the business you know i'm not going out and buying rolls royces even though <laughs> even if the our <laughs> margins could afford that for us but thinking about it thoroughly and intently and knowing that this isn't going to last forever it, there is a, a finite cap to our potential as as a business even though we're trying to grow it consciously every day it's going to come a time when push comes to shove, we're going to have to rely on something. You either hand it off to somebody else or you guys walk away from it. On that point, um, I noticed that there is a difference between mom and pop shops and then there's the Amazons of the world. And the only difference between the two is the fact that one has automated systems and others doesn't. Mm. And that's what we're trying to do. We use uh, different CRMs. uh, We use technology to automate our business to the point where it could be handed off to somebody as a value proposition where it's not hinged on me as a person. It could be an ecosystem that, that we're selling. Well said. What are you looking for for fresh employees coming up? I know you're looking for guys. So what, do you, what, kind, of, what kind of person are you looking character. for? It's all about character and uh, cultural fit. Cultural fit? We, I never yeah. heard that one yet. Cultural fit is huge because if, if I get along with the two of you, I'd come back on your podcast, which I'm loving my time yeah. here. And yeah. thank you for having me again. If the guys are, it goes both ways. If they like me and I like them, then we'll brainstorm together. We'll problem solve. Your circle. We'll it's your together. circle. It's our family. Yeah. Right. Like we, we try to build a family experience or a culture. Somebody's a good painter or a good salesman, like an estimator, but they're a cancer to our culture. 
then we'll let them go. And I've had to do that before. It's and it's, it's unfortunate that it happens. They will devour your company from the inside. More than anything else, it's cultural fit first. That's our first thing that we look at during our recruiting process. And then we go down the line with the run of the mill, like have you painted before? If you haven't, then what's your experience like? And um, depending on different jobs, we have different uh, qualifications and criteria we meet. Do you like experienced guys or non-experienced guys? It depends on who we're hiring. We do like to hire green for some trades, for some aspects of the business where we want to train them from the start. Uh, and we have a really awesome, two really good apprentices right now that we're getting the ball rolling on them, with them, with the training. But if we're hiring for a higher up position, I don't want to have to have my hands in, in their honeypot and trying to figure out how to train them while still running a business and having other people look after them. That said, oh, hang on a sec. <laughs> <laughs> Zach, thank you very much, man. Really a pleasure to meet you finally. And thank you so much for being on the podcast. Yeah, so you can find Zach on Instagram at Picture Perfect Painters. Picture Perfect Painters. And Yes. And the info at PicturePerfectPainters.ca. Yeah. We're mostly on Instagram. Our, our website so is DM a little them. Yeah. Uh, DM me. Our Instagram is the hub of our company. We post a lot of our processes on there and nice. a lot of our videos that not only explain the process of painting and then show exactly what we I'm do. I'm not even following you. I got to follow you. This um, is ridiculous. I do want to say something you. to the listeners, though. I definitely give Zach and his company the one perfect reference. If that you guys are looking for quality, call Zach. That carries a lot of weight. Thanks, yeah. Carlito. I appreciate it. I, I appreciate just started following him. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you very much, Zach. Thank Pleasure. Carlito, get us out of here. <laughs> this was great, man. This is We learned a lot, and you're totally right, Carlito. We have to get you back because we got to dive a lot more. We didn't even talk about safety, health. We briefly spoke about it, but I definitely want to talk more about wallpaper. I want to talk about different treatments. I want to talk about a bunch of stuff. So let's, let's get you back one day soon, quick. Get us out of here, man. 416, baby. T.O., the construction life. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you having me. Thank you. See you soon, buddy. See you. <laughs>